book entitled The Kenyatta <coughs> Succession by Joseph Karimi and Philip Ochieng, written in 1980, 80. just two yeah. years after the passing of Jomo Kenyatta. Yes. Um, so before we get into the book, I think that it's only apt that we give a little bit of biographical history of also Jomo Kenyatta. We have been working towards the state today. The himself. 41st yeah, exactly. anniversary of the passing so of Jomo Kenyatta. Jomo Kenyatta was born Kamau Ngegi around uh, 1891 and died 41 years ago today on August 22nd, 1970 at the age of 87. So Jomo interacted at a very early age with Europeans, that's what we're told. Yes. And at the age of 10 years old, he contracted jiggers. Mm. And he was sent to the church of the Scotland mission where they cured him. Yep. And he was so fascinated by these white people that he ran away from home and became a pupil at the school. And he paid his fees by working as a houseboy. Mm. So we move fast forward, he moves to Nairobi. And in August 1914, he was baptized as John Stone Kamau. So the Muzungus wanted to give him the name John, Stone. but he said, no, I want to be known as John Stone. Mm. So that is Strong. his first official name change. There are quite a few. So <laughs> early on, we see that Jomo is fighting for the rights of Kenyans, and he joins the East African Association, which was started by Harry Thuku in 1921. And with one of the many purposes of recovering lost land that was taken away from Kikuyus by the British colony. Yeah. Yes. Fast forward again. In 1928, he starts a magazine yes. with the prime purpose of um, pre preaching self-improvement um, and toleration of the British government to Kikuyus, which I thought was quite an interesting thing for Magazine, him to do. The magazine's name yeah. was Mugidhania. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, in 1931, he goes to Britain and he um, manages to testify in front of the House of Commons for the return of Kikuyu land that was claimed by the British in 1932. Mm -hmm. So they refuse to hear him, but eventually he does get to speak in front of them. And they agree to offer compensation for some of the Kikuyus to give them back the land while still maintaining the separation of the highlands, which was maintained just for them. Interestingly, at that time when he was refused to be seen by the High Commissioner for the Colonies, mm -hmm. he wrote a very eloquent letter, a letter yes. that was printed in the Times mm -hmm. of London, in which he eloquently said well, the five issues that KCA was working for, one yes. of them, the mm -hmm. first one mm -hmm. being the return of the land and mm -hmm. security of tenure yeah. for, the, for the Africans who now then got the land. Exactly. So we see from a very early age or very early time that he is very passionate about activism, especially for Kikuyus, but moreover for Kenyans. Yeah. So now we see that he goes to the Soviet Union and he spends two years in Moscow at the State University and he traveled extensively through Europe. At some point he becomes a self-declared communist. And he then returns to um, the UK and attends the London School of Economics. And at this time he studies anthropology. And in 1938 his thesis is published, which we know now as Facing Mount Kenya. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a study on the traditional life of the Kikuyu characterized by both an insight and a tinge of romanticism. So the book then signaled his second name change where he becomes Jomo. Jomo. Mm which means burning spear. So now we know him as what he is today, Jomo, Jomo Kenyatta. Kenyatta. So he then returns to Kenya in 1946 and takes up leadership um, of the newly formed Africa Union, the Kenya Africa Union, Union. which oh. he had been elected as president in 1947. So then he talks about in his thesis this dangerous explosion that he anticipates is going to happen between the Mau Mau, I'm sorry, between the Kikuyu and the British. So in 1930, this prediction comes through and we have this eruption of the Mau Mau. Fast forward again to 1952 where he is arrested. Yep. And yes. we told you the story yesterday. Yes, so he's arrested and he's in prison for seven years. 
Um, so then eventually he's released from prison and he joins the Kenya African National Union where he had been elected president by Tom Boya and Oginga Odinga in absentia. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to fast forward again because honestly the life of this man, there's so much interesting information we just have to kind of rush through it. But eventually when he's released, um, he goes to the London Conference in 1962 and he negotiates the constitutional terms for Kenya's independence. He becomes prime minister in 63 and then eventually becomes president again in 64. Um, so in foreign policy, what we can say about Kenyatta's government is that they were consistently friendly to the West. I think we can say that, even though we talked about that a little bit negatively this year, um, this week. And they were one of the more pro-British and pro-American countries in Africa. But luckily, that allowed us to become one of the more stable countries in the region. Yeah. And we still see that we benefit from that today. I think I'll borrow from yeah. Prof in explaining why they were like that. He says, and I quote, uh -huh. that if you're a young man and you're not a, a socialist or a communist, then you have no soul. Yeah. And if you're an older person and you're not a capitalist, then you have no head. No head. Exactly. So I think they yeah. had so both. He clearly so the, had po a head. the policy of non-alignment Posi yeah, po positive, positive non-alignment. Yeah. So Jomo became president at a relatively old age. He was 73 years old. Mm -hmm. And so questions of his declining health were quite normal to think about. So by 1976, um, his his failing health becomes something that the government cannot keep under wraps. So in we fact, see they do say that some newspaper companies had written obituaries and like oh, articles that they shameful. would print, yeah. and the event of his death, and they'd stored them in safes in, in anticipation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So by '76, we have things like the CCM movement, you know, really taking shape because yeah. people were worried about the succession process. And so his last official public appearance is said to be said to have happened on July 20th, 1978, in Nakuru. But sadly, at 3:30 a.m. on August. 22nd, 1978, <coughs> Mzee Jomo Kenyatta was declared dead at State House Mombasa at the age of 87. Mm. That was my rapid biography. <laughs> Job. Yes. You did well. Oh, you did. Spot on. And of course, he is larger than life, and yeah. we have to acknowledge that he is larger than life, and one of our great, actually our greatest founding father. Yeah. That mm -hmm. is acknowledged by all the other founding fathers, and that's why trying to skim yeah, down his life into yeah. five minutes is a really hard process. Mm -hmm. And that is why we, this book is important today. Yes. The Kenyatta Succession. And it's yeah. a book that every Kenyan must read. <laughs> Very Please. true. Mm -hmm. It's available at textbook center. Brilliantly written. <laughs> These authors are just fantastic. Yeah. Superb. And they have two authors. Joseph Karimi and Philip Ochieng, yeah. I would call them um, pioneer journalists in this oh, yeah. region. Both Foremost. of them are very interesting though. Philip and Karimi, Joseph Karimi did not go to school. He mm. finished high school. Yes, he stopped at high school. Then he went on to become a journalist. But on the other hand, Philip Ochieng went to Alliance High, then Roosevelt University. But both of them took on careers at the Daily Nation, and that is the heritage from which they write this article. Mm. They write about what was happening in the media, they write about what was happening politically, yeah. and they try and piece together the intrigues on the succession, try and piecing together three things, actually. They talk about it in three parts. Part one is the change of constitution movement, where they talk about the men that were around the president, who they call the family. The family. Who are with a capital F. With a capital F. Yeah. Who are, some of them are related to him, some of them by blood, some of them by marriage, mm. but a lot of the people who got entrance into the family were there because of economic economic interests mm. and their intention was to ensure that the succession would stay within themselves that yeah. one so of they them were the inner would circle inherit. Mm. yes they were the inner circle and they wanted to inherit Kenyatta but Kenyatta I think had a more nationalistic view he did yes he did and mm. the constitution itself at that time required that the prime minister the vice president would take over for a 90-day period then in the 90-day period we would plan for an election mm -hmm. yeah. unlike now I think now it's worse yeah. <laughs> we take over for the remainder for of the, the term, term. <laughs> 
So they wanted to ensure that whoever was vice president, at that time it was Moy, would not take yeah. on yeah. at mm. all. But I think Kenyatta was secure in his succession plan and he yeah. believed that if he takes, if Moy took over, it was okay. His mm. interests were secure, the national interests of the nation were secure. secure. Mm. And that's why he continued with that plan and rejected the CCM movement. Yeah. Part two was a struggle for institutions and it speaks to Gemma. I know we like saying that statement, but it was actually an association mm. that began as a welfare association, but they asked questions. Was it a political party? Was it a party within Kanu? Mm. What was Gemma about? <laughs> then the third part is the coming of the Ngoroko. Yep. And I think Which that is, is what where I will you about. will talk about. Mm. The Ngoroko was the militant, I, I would say, wing of uh, the Change the Constitution movement uh, fellows and, you know, this family with a capital F. Dear Kenyans, mm -hmm. dear Kenyans, dear Kenyans, <laughs> on this day, we not only commemorate Jomo's death, mm. but we also recall just how much God loves this country. Amen. Because according to these authors, mm. according to them, had Jomo died in Nakuru, mm. had, jo had Mbiyo Koinange been in Mombasa on the evening of Jomo's death, had Eyud Mahehu not promptly informed Daniel Moy of the death of Jomo mm. in 78, a bloody massacre was going to happen. So we are told, right? Mm. Similar to, to, to what Hitler did in the uh, night of the uh, long, long nights mm. in Germany when he purged people from the party. So in the third part of this book, uh, it, it begins by telling us uh, about the Njonjo bombshell. Mm. So Njonjo rocks up to parliament one day in October 1978. And he says that uh, a private army had been constituted in Mzee's last years to acquire power for itself and determine succession, mm -hmm. right? But before we go into the plot yes. and, uh, you know, and what was Details. planned for mm -hmm. the day, here is what uh, they also say about the Ngoroko. It was formed in the, uh, after the 72 election, 74 election of mm -hmm. December. It was domiciled in the GSU and its function officially mm -hmm. uh, was to deal with the Ngoroko cattle raiders in the Rift Valley. Right, so Ngoroko were actually a, a, a group, a band of cattle raiders, very, very lethal people, mm. right? And uh, they were officially known as the Anti-Stock Stock Theft, theft poli unit. Police Unit. They were headed by a guy called James Efantas Mungai. 80% uh, of, 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 the, of, of the recruits were from Kiambu. But <laughs> <laughs> the, actual, the actual function was to ensure that the presidential motorcades never crossed the Chagi River mm. uh, or never crossed Maimahio towards Carbonet yeah. uh, when uh, Jomo died. Mm. Now, let's get into the plot. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a very conspiratorial plot, <laughs> and I don't think, it, it, for sure, it did not have the blessings of Jomo Kenyatta. Mm. Because true. the plot was all about taking out the 15 people who yes. Jomo had appointed to take over from him after he passed on. Mm -hmm. People like Daniel Moy, people like Mwai Kibaki, people mm -hmm. like uh, Gigi uh, Karevi, the Kiriaini, Jonjo. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the people I think he really entrusted he trusted, yeah. to, 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 to watch over the state and to take it forward. Mm -hmm. So listen to the plot, okay. right? This <laughs> is, this, this, this is uh, crazy stuff. We're listening. Right? <laughs> so these guys believed that they couldn't acquire power if they hadn't taken out these 15 people. Mm -hmm. So yes. they put those 15 people on a list. Mm -hmm. and, and this was, it was supposed to be a Macbeth kind of situation. Okay. Jomo was supposed to die in Akuru, yes. right? Mm. And uh, and when he died, they were going to uh, uh, they were not going to talk about it. They Just were, be silent. They were not be tell silent. The public, they yes. were going to summon the fifteen people mm -hmm. to to State House in Akuru. They were going to kill them, pop them, mm -hmm. all the fifteen. Oh wow! Right? They were going to pop them, and then after that, they were going to 
pump bullets into Jomo's body. I and then say. and then say in Lady Macbeth type of fashion, mm -hmm. in the Macbeth book type of fashion, <laughs> say that we were so furious that, uh, you know, these 15 came here and they killed Jomo and so we had to take them out. Oh. So the idea was now to take out mm -hmm. the 15 and then take, and blame and them take for their the bodies death of to Jomo. some mm -hmm. barracks somewhere in Akuru <laughs> and so on and so forth. That is how things would have happened. Had, God, how, had God, God not been on had, the side had Jomo, of Kenya. Had Jomo not died in Mombasa, yes. if he had died in, in Akuru, Akuru that, then we would have a and, different and he, history. And, he, and here's the last point. Here's the last point. Um, on the day that he died, PC for coast, yes. Maheho, mm -hmm. promptly informed Moi to leave Carbonet immediately. Pronto. Mm -hmm. Moi left Carbonet at 4.15 a.m. Mm -hmm. By 4.45 a.m., 30 minutes later, he was in Nairobi. No, no, 4.45, uh, the roadblocks all around Nakuru. Hmm. People getting in and out. Nobody could get in or out of the town, right? Moi, wow. Moi Just escaped, it escaped by a, by a whisker. So we are told in this book. In this book, yeah. And I think that this book comes closest to what actually happened because those machinations, the things that we imagine is actually what happened and yeah. those intrigues are very real to the succession that happened in that era. Mm. And I have to commend Mahiko for this reason. I think he knew that he had to ensure that the succession happened as it was meant Absolutely. to. Because he'd once gone to see Kenyatta to ask him, well, this guy's the change of constitution movement wanted to host a meeting in Mombasa, in, in his region. Yeah. And he came to ask Kenyatta, should I allow them to do this? What do you think I should do? Mm. And Kenyatta gave a statement that everyone always quotes. It was like a Kikuyu proverb mm. and she said, these people are stupid. You do not show exactly. a cow the knife that you're going to use to kill it and mm. hope it will do nothing. Mm -hmm. So I think that he, he, and then he took that to mean that Kenyatta was against this and yeah. he should block the meeting yeah. and therefore he understood that this is what Kenyatta's will was. was. Mm -hmm. That was his will I will ensure it happens. He, Boy, he was a good midwife. He yeah. is a midwife we ought to really praise. Honestly, yeah? <laughs> this, 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 the story of this country would have been completely different. Yeah, actually. yeah. I think have. it's impossible for us to underestimate what an impact this man had on this country. Yeah. I think even just looking at his life and the way that he fought battles that a lot of people would not have had the energy or the bravery to do. I think it's something very commendable, and I think that it's great that we have this day where we're able to appreciate him and this week as well.